All right, Braves fans, let's get rolling. I'm George McNair, and this is State of the Braves. Guys, the Braves finish off the regular season with 104 wins, 58 losses, the best record in baseball, home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and, uh, man, what a season it has been. Uh, look, this, the real season really begins now, right? The playoffs start, and from the beginning, the Braves have had massive expectations. They were favorites at the very beginning of the season to be here to win the NLEs, but really beyond that, to uh, get back to the World Series and maybe even win a World Series. They were betting favorites among many people. Um, of course, a lot of people also thought the Mets would be great or the Padres or the Yankees, and they did not do well, right? So the Braves meet expectations and, and perhaps exceed those on several different levels. Uh, and it is, as a Braves fan, been just a very fun season to watch. Uh, so, yeah, expectations were high. The Braves uh, are in the playoffs with the best record. Uh, but just because expectations were high and they were supposed to be good, that does not take away from all of the great accomplishments of this team. It has been a season of historic accomplishments. Of course, a lot of great team success, but also a lot of uh, individual success. And we have to look no further than Ronald Acuna Jr. You know, he finished off his historic 40-70 season by setting um, the Braves' stolen base record of 73, passing uh, Braves' 90s great Otis Nixon. Uh, 72 was the record, and Ronald passed it by one. Uh, so this is a great moment. I don't know if you guys saw it. Otis Nixon was at the game in which Ronald tied the record. Uh, and it was a really cool moment. He was filming himself and looked like he was just really happy for Ronald. I love when I see old Braves players in the stands, and it's been particularly cool to see how Nixon and Andrew Jones have handled their records being broken. And John Smoltz, by the way, too. They've all been just incredibly gracious, and they just it just feels like you know the Braves' legacy uh, is passed down from one generation to the next, and a lot of good feelings there. So. That was really awesome. You know, I also, when I think to Otis Nixon, you know, Otis Nixon in 1991 steals 72 bases. And you younger Braves fans, you might not remember him. You want to look him up. You know, he's this rail-thin guy with zero power. He might have hit one home run his entire career. <laughs> so when you, you know, he was a true just speedster, stolen base guy. All he's trying to do is slap the ball the other way, uh, bunt, to get on base, right, and then try to swipe second base. Uh, that is, of course, not what Ronald Acuna is doing. Ronald can hit the ball 110 miles an hour with regularity, can crush 41 home runs, and yet he passes Otis Nixon. So it's just remarkable uh, just from that standpoint to compare players and to see how incredible Acuna's season has been. Um, you know, when we think about Ronald's season, you know, it's kind of funny, 4070 almost clouds how great Ronald Acuna's season has been. Because if you stop there, um, it only tells a part of the story, right? Okay, 40 home runs, 70 plus stolen bases. That is amazing in and of itself. It's never been done before in the history of baseball. No one has ever done that. And yet, Mark Bowman shared a stat on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it these days, and I just thought it was definitely worth sharing. So shout out to Mark Bowman for this, the Braves beat reporter uh, on MLB.com. But uh, for players who have hit, okay, and you got to follow me for a little bit, okay? But players who have hit 
335 with 40 home runs, 215 hits, 80 extra base hits, over 1,000 OPS, 100 RBIs, and 145 runs, and less than 90 strikeouts. So doing all of that in a single season. There's only been three other players in baseball history to have done that. Joe DiMaggio, Chuck Klein, and Lou Gehrig. Uh, three Hall of Famers. Uh, Klein might be the, the least known. He was a Philadelphia Phillies Hall of Famer and had a tremendous early start to his career. But those three guys, and DiMaggio was the last guy to do it in 1937. And here you have Ronald Acuna doing it in 2023, right? So it's just remarkable. And of those three guys who did it, none of them had more than 10 stolen bases in a season. So none of them were bringing speed to the table. So Acuna adds his 73 stolen bases on top of everything else he accomplished this year. Uh, you know, you take away every single one of Acuna's stolen bases and it is an absolutely historic season. So just shout out to Ronald Acuna Jr. This guy's, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been a fun, dominant, consistently dominant season for Acuna and it puts him on that trajectory, right? It puts him in those conversations. And of course, he's going to have to do it for, you know, throughout his entire career and you hope he does it, but he's got a chance to be one of the greatest players in baseball history if he can simply stay healthy and be consistent with his greatness. And I sure hope he can do it. Uh, Matt Olson also finishes with 54 home runs and 139 RBIs this season both franchise records. No other Brave in history has done that. And so just another historic accomplishment by Brave this year. He also led all of baseball in home runs and RBIs. You know, I just think while we can still love and appreciate Freddie Freeman as an all-time great uh, Brave, it has just been pretty cool to see uh, Matt Olson's rise to prominence and he honestly has a chance to also be considered an all-time great Brave at the end of things. He's in year two of his nine-year contract. And man, year two could not have gone any better. Year one was okay, you know, a little rocky at times, probably a little under what he uh, expected to do. And yet year two has just been uh, a historically great season. You know, I was thinking in terms of his... Um, his home run totals right now for his career and the fact that he is under contract for seven more seasons. I was just thinking about him possibly being an all-time great brave. And I know I'm looking down the road a ways, but just follow me for just a second. So if Matt Olson were to average 39 home runs per season, which honestly I think is very realistic and I might be, um, you know, putting the bar pretty low for him for what he did this year. But if he averages 39 home runs, in a season, by the end of his current contract in 2030, uh, he would pass 500 career home runs. And at that point, he would still only be 36 years old. So probably a few more decent seasons left in the tank. Now, of course, he could, um, he could outpace that by quite a bit, and those numbers would be much higher. But, you know, Matt Olson is one of the premier power hitters in all of baseball. Uh, he hit for a much higher average this year, and you know, he finished around 280 average. Um, and so it wasn't just the home runs. It was the overall approach. Um, and he can hit the ball 
down the left field line. He can hit it down the right field line. He can crush the ball 480 feet uh, to center field. I mean, this guy can just mash the baseball. And I think we have started to see what Matt Olson can be when things are going right. And hopefully he can have many more seasons just like this one. All right, the other guy who made history this season uh, in his final start, Spencer Strider passed John Smoltz for most strikeouts in a single season and now sits, that record now sits at 281 strikeouts. Uh, he had around 50, 50 to 60 more strikeouts than the next closest guy in baseball this season. So Spencer Strider is truly the strikeout king of baseball in 2023. I know I'm going to talk a little bit more about Strider. I know the entirety of the season didn't go the way he wanted it to. He definitely had his frustrations, but you see him starting to scratch the surface. And as a Braves fan, you just remind yourself, look, this is year two. This is year two of Spencer Strider. I know John Smoltz mentioned this in one of the broadcasts in which he was a guest um, guest broadcaster. Uh, you know, it took him year three, year four, year five to really settle into knowing what he was doing out on the mound. And with that perspective in mind, I think we're just going to continue to see the maturation of Spencer Strider over the next couple of years. Uh, and then a team record, right? In the final inning of the season, Marcelo Zuna hits an opposite field home run uh, to tie the all-time team home run record uh, with the Minnesota Twins at 307. Uh, Eddie Rosario, an inning before, also missed a home run by a matter of inches. Uh, man, I was hoping that one was going to get out. And, of course, the Braves ended up dropping the final game of the season. Not that it mattered all that much, but it was a fun game to watch. And I was really happy when Ozuna's ball got out. He had a tremendous final series. Ozuna, of course, uh, I'm going to talk about him in just a second. But uh, it is really cool for the Braves to match that record. It would have been nice to have one more home run on the books uh, to, um, to own it all by yourself. But... Um, 307 in 2023 is probably a little different than 307 in 2019. If you know anything about the year 2019, Titleist was making the baseballs the only year that they've ever made the baseballs, and it was very noticeably juiced. Uh, the other top four uh, team home run marks in history were all set in 2019. The Braves have way more home runs than any other team in baseball this year, and they're carrying that into the playoffs as a huge advantage for them and their offense. If the Braves win the World Series this year, it's probably at least partially going to be off of home runs in the postseason. We're going to hope that that continues for them. All right, guys, so those records all, uh, all fell. They were all a part of this amazing season for the Braves. All right, guys, the next thing I want to talk about is Marcel Ozuna and his resurgence and how important that has been to the Atlanta Braves and their historic offense. Remember, this isn't just a great offense. It's literally one of the greatest offenses of all time. And honestly, I left out a record that the Braves also set as a team, and that is for slugging percentage. They finished the season with a 501 team slugging percentage. That is the first time in baseball history that an offense has ever done that. And man, that is saying something. And it doesn't get there without Marcelo Zuna and his near miraculous turnaround in this season. So if you haven't been following the Braves all year, Marcelo Zuna, the Braves designated hitter, was literally 
the worst hitter in baseball through all of April. Now, a designated hitter, literally your only job is to be a good hitter. You're not out in the field. I think Marcelo Zuna played two games in the field all season, okay? So his entire value is about being able to hit, and he was a terrible hitter in April. And yet, suddenly, you guys probably remember this, in Miami, he hits a grand slam. He has a tremendous series, and it's like his entire season turned around. And the rest of the year, from May 1st on, Marcel Ozuna hit 297 with 38 home runs and 98 RBIs. Uh, just a uh, an amazing turnaround that has been so important for the Braves. Uh, four DHs, Marcel was second only to Shohei Otani in both home runs and OPS for the season. And that's including all the bad stuff that happened in April. This is probably Marcel's second best full season of his career. So in 2017, when he was still with the Marlins, he hit 312 with a 924 OPS and 34, sorry, 37 home runs. This is back when uh, Marcel was still playing a relatively decent outfield. He still had a little more speed and his overall war for that season was 5.7. So again, he's getting some defensive value from that number as well. But again, he's hitting, he hit 312 that season, just a remarkable offensive year. Uh, and then of course, uh, even though it wasn't a full season, Braves fans know he had a great 2020 in the shortened uh, season. He hit 338 with a 1,067 OPS and eight home run, 18 home runs. And of course, that was over just 60 games. He had a 2.5 war that season. But this year in 2023, again, just playing DH with no defensive value, uh, he, t he hits 274 with a 904 OPS and 40 home runs, good for a 3.3 F war. And, uh, our, you know, Ozuna is going to be huge for the Braves in the postseason. Hopefully he can continue to crush the ball. So just great things for Marcel Ozuna. All right, guys, another thing I want to ask you is who do you think the most overlooked star in the Braves lineup was this season? Or it doesn't have to be lineup. It could be pitcher too. I think the most overlooked season for the Braves this year has been Ozzie Albies, second baseman. Um, and, you know, coming off of, and let's not forget this, coming off of a season in which it was just a downer, right? He was hurt for most of the year, even when he wasn't hurt. Before he got hurt, he was not playing all that well. And so for Ozzy to come back and have probably the best season of his career has been huge for the Braves as well. Ozzy's final line, uh, he hit 280 with a 336 on base percentage, a 513 slugging percentage. He hit 33 home runs and 109 RBIs. And by the way, that was tied for fourth for the most in baseball with 109 RBIs from your second baseman. Uh, you know, Ozzy finished on a great run. He was super hot. Uh, in the last um, month of the season, but his last 15 games, Ozzy hit 394 with a 438 on base percentage and a 712 slugging percentage. He was really hitting the ball great. And remember, he had that um, that hamstring issue that kind of slowed him down. He missed about 10 games, and for about the next five to seven games after that, you could tell he was ramping back up. So I think his numbers probably could have been even better if he didn't have that hiccup in the season, but he really did bounce back great, especially at the very end of the season. This was Ozzy's highest on-base percentage uh, in 
his last four seasons. Uh, and I've always said that that was one of the weaknesses to his game. But a 336 on base percentage is just fine when you have over a 500 slugging percentage. He's hitting the ball with power. And for such a small guy, it's really awesome to see Ozzy hitting with such consistent power. This was the highest slugging percentage of his career. He set career highs in home runs and RBIs. Uh, and for Major League second baseman, here are Ozzy's ranks. First in home runs and slugging percentage. And again, this is across all baseball. First in RBIs, second in OPS, uh, second to only Luis Arise, who, of course, is getting a lot of that number from his high, uh, his high average. Uh, Ozzy had a 4.0 F war. And that is only, I, it could be higher, but, um, you know, Ozzy's defense was down a little bit this year. It felt like that in the, you know, Fangraphs says it as well. So, you know, I think it's backed up. And I don't know why that is. I've always considered Ozzy an above-average defender. I think he even had one season where he was close to maybe even winning a gold glove. So I, I wonder if maybe he can bounce back. And maybe his glove was affected more by his injury and time off than anything else. Uh, but anyways, still, a four-war season is very good. It's all-star caliber. Um, and he certainly was that this year. Guys, Ozzy, he's been around a long time. Ozzy's only 26 years old. You know, Ozzy has 131 home runs for his career at 26 years of age and has compiled 20.2 war for his career. And, I, you know, when I saw that number, I was kind of shocked by it. And I just started to think, could Ozzy have an outside shot at being a Hall of Famer? And uh, I, I think he does. I, he's not by any means a surefire Hall of Famer, he's going to have to have longevity. Uh, but, you know, he's such a solid player. He's been a consistent, when he's been healthy, he's been a consistent four-war player. He's been a guy who hits high 20s, low 30s home runs every year. And if he does that for most of his career, then honestly, yeah, I think he can get into Cooperstown. Uh, he would be one of those Hall of Famers that doesn't have a high... Um, you know, high ceiling in terms of, you know, having these really high spikes in uh, MVP type of careers or uh, MVP type of seasons, but uh, he could have just great year after great year after great year and compile those numbers. Remember that the major league record for second baseman uh, for home runs for second baseman is 354 by Jeff Kent. Now, Jeff Kent is not in the Hall of Fame, but he also wasn't um, a great defender, he finished with 55 war. So my idea is, could Ozzy get to 60 war or higher? Well, again, he's at 20 war right now at 26 years of age. He's potentially got a long career ahead of him. And, you know, just in terms of home runs, if Ozzy were to hit 28 home runs per season for the next eight years, then he would break Jeff Kent's record. Um, there's a lot that has to happen for that, right? Eight seasons is a long time, but even at that point, Ozzy would still only be 34 years old, right? So his age is, is on his side. Uh, the fact that Ozzy is a small, compact, strong guy, uh, I don't think Ozzy is getting, um, out of shape anytime soon, right? So it's just a matter of staying healthy, no major injuries. And, um, you know, if his bat were to slow down, especially from the left side, I think that could be an issue, but gosh, I think it's possible. And again, if Ozzy, if you told me Ozzy was going to finish with, 
you know, 350 to 400 career home runs and a, a decent enough average, uh, I think Ozzy might actually make the Hall of Fame. The other thing that people will say kept Jeff Kent out of the Hall of Fame is he kind of was surly and maybe even a jerk to some people. Uh, he wasn't well liked among uh, the, the writers and those are the guys who vote people into the Hall of Fame. Ozzy is beloved, right? So even if he's on the fence, it maybe it shouldn't matter, but it does matter. And I don't know if you guys know that it matters how you treat people. And, uh, and when people are the ones making decisions of voting you into a hall of fame, it does matter. And everybody loves Ozzy Albies. So that would be cool. So I'm just kind of looking way in advance, but it's fun to do. And especially the end of seasons when you can see what a guy did and what that trajectory looks like. All right, guys. Well, what I want to jump into next is kind of fun for me. So I am going to revisit my preseason predictions. So the beginning of every season, I make predictions about a few things that I think will happen for the Braves. And I did it this year and I got some things right. I got some things wrong. I'm going to be straight up honest with you guys in what I got wrong, but I thought we could look at it and it's just another way to look back at this season. All right, so my first prediction for the 2023 season was that Spencer Strider would win the National League Cy Young Award. And it looks like I'm going to be wrong on that one. Uh, unfortunately, Spencer, I think early in September, he actually had gotten back on track. If he had had a great September, I think he probably would have won the Cy Young. Uh, we know that he had some rocky starts and his ERA went up close to four, didn't quite get there, but but it does not look like Spencer Strider is going to win the Cy Young this year. That does not take away from the fact that Strider had a really good season, a historic season. I've already mentioned it. He led the league in strikeouts. He sets a Braves franchise record with 281 strikeouts this, this season. He also uh, kept the Braves in almost every game he pitched. He got 20 wins for the season. He's the only pitcher in baseball with 20 wins. Uh, but it was definitely an uneven year for Strider. He suffered from the big inning. He, he suffered from, you know, getting out of jams and he was not very lucky. Uh, you know, when he is locked in with velocity and command, he is pretty much the most dominant pitcher in baseball, but it definitely this year has gone in and out quite a bit. And uh, for some reason, it's felt like it goes out more against the bad teams. Maybe that's a good thing for us going into a postseason. Maybe he'll just totally be locked in. Uh, but against some of the worst offenses in baseball, he struggled more. So it's hard to explain that. Um, but when he is a tick off, um, he's more hittable. And I do wonder if, you know, the, the worst teams, they just are so, you know, oversimplified in their approach. All they're trying to do is hit a fastball. And when that fastball is down one or two miles per hour and it doesn't have that, that rise on it, that maybe it's a little easier to get to and they're just able to hit that. Um, but anyways, you know, he, he, he had some starts that were really frustrating. It did take some of the fun out of him setting the record because he had that frustrating first inning against the nationals. He sets the record in that inning. He walks off the mound and is clearly not happy at all with himself or his performance. So, you know, it wasn't like he was in the mood to celebrate that. I also don't know, knowing Spencer Strider's mentality, if he would have celebrated all that much anyways. He's so locked in, focused on what he's trying to do. But nonetheless, look, Strider's not going to win the Cy Young this year, but 
he's going to win a Cy Young. If his arm holds up and he stays healthy, he's going to figure a few things out and he's going to become that much more dominant. So uh, hoping for great things for Strider in the postseason. I didn't get that one right, but um, he did have a good season nonetheless. I mean, ultimately, Strider finishes with a 20-5 and record, a 3.86 ERA, a 1.09 whip, 2.85 FIP. And that FIP tells you that he was uh, quite unlucky, right? When that number is that much lower than his ERA, it's telling you that. Um, it's telling you he's not getting away with um, with the mistakes, right? Especially with balls put in play. He did finish with a five and a half F war. So that he is a very, very valuable pitcher. And uh, again, if he has a season in which that luck flips around and he's able to be a little more, um, you know, his, that command is a little more on point more consistently, uh, he's going to win a Cy Young. All right. My number two, prediction for the season and I'm really proud of this one guys I've actually mentioned this one to you before but this prediction was that Acuna Harris Olsen and Riley would combine to hit 150 home runs and guess what combined this year they hit exactly 150 home runs I don't know how I did that I um actually I didn't do any of it they they did it all thanks guys you did all the hard work um and how I predicted it didn't come true quite um, quite the way I, I thought it would. So my thinking was that Olsen, Riley, and Acuna would all hit 40. Uh, now, of course, Riley came close. Acuna hit 41. I did not foresee Olsen mashing 54. Uh, the other part of that was I, I thought Harris was going to have a great season and hit 30. He hit 18 instead. Now, Harris still had a very good season, but uh, the the power wasn't very consistent from him. So he only hit 18, but Olsen picked up the slack with 54. So uh, you can do the math at home as well, uh, but they hit 150 combined exactly. I'm so glad they didn't finish with 149. They finished with 150. I got that one right. And of course, those four had a huge part to play in the Braves as a whole, matching the 20 19 twins. I've already mentioned this, but their juice ball, the twins juice ball, the Braves regular ball uh, still feels like the Braves actually have the record uh, with that, but awesome stuff. And of course, a lot of other Braves, especially those in the starting lineup uh, really uh, contributed to that record as well. All right. My number three prediction was that either Vaughn Grissom or Braden Shoemake would be named the starting shortstop by May 15th. Now, I obviously got this one wrong. Uh, this, If you'll rem remember, guys, I mean, the very beginning of the season, it was kind of a shock that Orlando Arcia was named the starting shortstop for the Braves. Um, but a lot of us underestimated him, and he had a tremendous first half. Uh, and that great first half where he was hitting over 300 and playing great defensive shortstop, I mean, he locked it down, and it was not going. he was not going to lose that job. And, of course, he gets named a starter to the All-Star team. I mean, who could have foreseen that? Uh, but, yeah, this prediction definitely did not come true. I will say this, um, and some of you are probably pretty aware of this, uh, Arcia, for his great first half, did not have a great second half. He slipped in production, uh, especially at the plate. Uh, the last 30 games for him, uh, Arcia hit 208 with a 340 slugging percentage. He was about to carry an Ofer into the playoffs. He got a hit in his last at bat. 
to break up some of that. So he ends up hitting 264 for the season with 17 home runs. Uh, the the interesting thing with Arcia, you know, it looked like he was having this breakout season, and he, and he was, and yet at the end of everything, he ended with a 2.3 WAR season and a 99 uh, weighted runs created plus, which basically means he is a starter, but barely, right? I mean, that's what that value is telling you. A 99 means he's basically just your run-of-the-mill average major league hitter. Um, 2.3 war means he's pretty much a starter, but not much more than that. Um, you know, and for the future of the Braves at shortstop, I expect Orlando Arcia to be back and be starting. Is he going to be your long-term option for, you know, a, a long period of time over years and years? That's what I doubt. And I actually doubted it even when he was having a a great run in that first half. Uh, could I foresee him having a bad year next year? Possible. I'm certainly not rooting for it. Hopefully he can bounce back. And maybe what RC is, is just kind of uh, uh, an, an inconsistent player that has some highs and has some lows. Uh, that is not to take away from the fact that he had a good year, um, but not as great of a year as it looked like he might have at the time. Um, I definitely, with this prediction, overestimated Grissom's defensive ability. He definitely struggled, especially in the first half of the year at shortstop, both at the big league level and a little bit at AAA as well. But I will say what is still true of Vaughn Grissom is he is a really, really good hitter. Um, he was probably the best overall hitter in all of AAA this past year, not just for the Braves, uh, but across all of AAA. Uh, he's not showing tremendous power, but he hit like in the 330s with a really good on-base percentage. Uh, so I don't know what the future of Vaughn Grissom is going to be with the Braves, uh, but I I would like to see him continue to be a part of the Braves' future. I don't, also don't know what's going to happen in the left field next year. You guys know that Eddie Rosario has an option. Don't know what the Braves are going to do with that or if they would even want Vaughn Grissom to play left field. Uh, but anyways, I will continue to root for Vaughn Grissom. I'm a big fan of his um, and know that he is, at least from an offensive standpoint, a really valuable player. Uh, but unfortunately he, unfortunately for him, he didn't get the opportunity to play in the big leagues much this year. Uh, okay, so my, my fourth prediction for the season was that two Braves would finish in the top six in MVP voting. Now, of course, official voting has not come down yet. Uh, but we know, right? We know, race fans, that Ronald Acuna is going to win the MVP, and it would be, uh, honestly, at this point, the most shocking and disappointing thing in the world. If, all right, that might be overstating a little bit, but it would still be shocking if Ronald Acuna doesn't win the MVP at this point. And I also would be shocked if Matt Olson doesn't finish at least in the top six in voting. I expect Olson to finish third behind Acuna and Mookie Betts but maybe in front of Freddie Freeman. I guess you could see Freddie finishing third and Olsen fourth. Depends on how you look at player value. Freeman has more war by about a point uh, over Olsen, but in most of the counting stats, Olsen is better. So I expect the Braves to do that. So I feel really good about it. When I was making that argument, it was just the Braves have about four or five guys who very obviously have the capability to vie for MVP votes every single year, including, you know, Riley. And I think at his 
best Michael Harris is on that trajectory. And I, I expected Harris to potentially vie for some of these votes this year. Again, the start of his season didn't go great, but Olsen and Ronald definitely got it done. So guys, my number five prediction was that Michael Harris would be a top 10 uh, player in war in baseball this season. And I got that one wrong, unfortunately. And you know, I love me some Michael Harris, huge fan of his. And I do still think he's going to be one of the best players in baseball uh, in the next several seasons. But by F war, by Fangraph's war this past season, Harris was 44th uh, by in all by all position players with 3.9 war this season. Now, we as Braves fans know he had a terrible start to the year with injuries. It really threw him off course. And he, he got back on track about mid-May. Everything started clicking. And maybe it was just because he got healthy. Maybe it was a combination of that and working in the batting cage with Chipper Jones and, and that sort of thing. But everything seemed to click for Harris about mid to late May. And he was nearly a top 10 player in war after that point. So from June 1st on, Michael Harris was 12th in war in Major League Baseball. So I feel like I I came close to evaluating the player, just not everything went right for Harris this year. And I still think that that June 1st onward number, the fact that he was 12th in Major League Baseball in war to that or from that point on, just does tell you how special and talented Michael Harris is. The one thing that I would say is he was still pretty inconsistent with his power. You know, it's like sometimes Harris can can crush you a 470 foot home run and then he doesn't hit another home run for three or four weeks. And and yet he's still getting on base and he's still stealing bases and, and impacting the game in many different ways. Um, I'm not sure Harris will all, will ever be like a 40 home run guy, but I do think he can be offensively kind of like a Chipper Jones where he's hitting 25 to 30 home runs a season with a high on base percentage, a high batting average. And, um, you know, that's basically what he was from June 1st on. But anyways, I still got that one wrong. All right. My last two predictions were team-based. So the first uh, prediction, and I guess I technically got this wrong, but it's, you know, whatever. Most people did. <laughs> the Were my NL East predictions. Okay. So I, I predicted the Braves, of course, would win the NL East. So I did get that right. Um, but I said that it would be the Braves, the Mets would finish second, the Phillies third, Marlins fourth, and the Nationals, of course, fifth. Uh, of course, Nationals fans, you were going to finish fifth this year. The reality was that the Braves, while they finished first, the Phillies, of course, finished second, Marlins third, the Mets had this historically disappointing season, finishing fourth, and the Nationals finished fifth. I will say, for a moment, it looked like the Nationals might overtake the Mets, uh, but that didn't quite happen. But nonetheless, um, the Braves, of course, finished first, win the division, so I did get that part of it right. <laughs> uh, I'll say I got it partially right. The Braves, uh, this is the last prediction. I said the Braves would go uh, 102 and 60. So I said the Braves would win 102 games, which really felt like a bold stance because most people couch their bets a lot. They don't go big. Most people will not um, will not predict that any team will win 100 games or more. But I just felt so good about this team, the depth of it, the fact that the Braves won 101 games in 2022, and I knew that this team was going to be better. 
Um, and so they go, of course, 104, right? They get 104 wins. So I guess technically I didn't get it right, but I feel good that I went bold. I went for 102 wins and they end up getting 104. So guys, those were my predictions. Again, I didn't get them all right. I think it would be almost impossible to get all of those right, but uh, I got a few of them right in a way that uh, I, I really impressed myself. Okay. Not really. I mean, you know, it, it's great to, uh, to get a few right and you feel good about yourself, but uh, more than anything, of course, I want my last prediction to come right. And that's for the Braves to win the world series. Um, so I did predict the Braves to win the world series. I also predicted Seattle to win the AL pennant, which is not going to happen because they didn't make the playoffs by one or two games. But anyways, Seattle, uh, let me down. But hopefully the Braves will win the World Series and that will all be well and good. All right, guys. So uh, the last part of this podcast episode, I do want to talk about the upcoming wildcard series. And I'm not going to go in depth. Of course, these teams are not the Braves and the Braves are not going to play in this round, very thankfully. Uh, but I just want to give you my predictions. I'm going to give you the teams that I think are going to move on. These, All of these series are really hard to predict. I mean, they don't seem like there's there's many favorites here. So, okay, well, let's, let's talk about them one by one. So first you have the Tampa Bay Rays versus the Texas Rangers. Uh, despite Tampa being the more rested team, you know, Tampa was able, because they're the top wildcard team, they knew that they were going to get in the postseason, kind of similar to the Braves. They had quite a bit of time to rest. Um, so they're the more rested team. That always makes me nervous. As a Braves fan, that makes me nervous, right? Rest can mean rust if you don't do it the right way. The Rangers have had to fight all the way to the end of the season, so they're not rested. And yet, I'm going to pick the Rangers here because they've been playing to the end. I think this might carry them over. Uh, Tampa Bay was the better team throughout the season. You know, they, they won more games. The Rangers definitely had an up and down second half. Um, but I think the Rangers have a great offense and uh, they're going to have to go and play in Tampa, which is kind of a weird place to play. But I just like, I like the, the Rangers here. Uh, Tampa Bay is a, is a weird team to me. I mean, they are a very good complete team, but they're not really a team of stars. And I guess that shouldn't matter. And it really doesn't matter in baseball, but I'm just going to go with the Rangers here. All right, then you have Minnesota versus Toronto. And this one is a really hard, hard call for me. I honestly see it pretty much even. Uh, Minnesota has had some injuries, so they have a couple of their better players that we're not sure how much they're going to be able to play in this series, including Correa. Uh, but they do have a really good top three pitching staff. They're going to be able to throw three really good pitchers in all three of these games. Toronto is healthier. Um, but simply because these games are going to be played in Minnesota, I'm going to take the Twins in this one. Uh, Arizona versus Milwaukee. I think Arizona is the more exciting team. They're the younger team, but Milwaukee has the experience and the pitching. So this is another tough one. I'm going to go with the young athletic team, but I honestly could be wrong. I, Milwaukee has not had a ton of postseason success. Um, in their history, and um, I just have a hard time seeing them move on, even though they have a really good pitching staff. All right, and the last and most important one to Braves fans uh, is Philly versus Miami, and you know uh, clearly this one matters because the winner of this series will play the Braves in the NLDS. Um, 
you know, on one hand, I don't fully trust the Phillies pitching here. Um, they do have Wheeler and Nola, but Nola has not been very good. Wheeler has been pretty good. Um, but the Marlins is kind of interesting. You might have seen this on MLB Network. Mark DeRosa broke this down, so I want to give him credit. But Marlins uh, have some really, really good left-handed pitchers, and some of the best hitters in the Phillies lineup are lefties that can do damage. So uh, perhaps the Marlins can shut down the Phillies offense uh, with these lefties. It's certainly not a guarantee, um, but I do think it probably evens out the series a little bit more than you might expect. Uh, I'm I'm still going to pick the Phillies to win this series. Uh, don't get me wrong, Braves fans. I don't want them to win the series. I would much prefer the Braves to play the Marlins. And honestly, the Braves can hit lefties just fine. So that would not be a weakness uh, for the Braves going into a series like that. But um, I do think the Phillies just have a good postseason mentality. They proved that last year. And I'm expecting a rematch between Philly and Atlanta in the NLDS this year. So we can root for Miami maybe, uh, but regardless of who wins this, the Braves are going to have to play well. This is the postseason. You you get no easy teams here from this point forward. And in some ways, if the Braves are playing as good as they have shown them to be capable, shown themselves to be capable of this season, it really shouldn't matter who they play. They are the best team in baseball. The big question in this postseason is just will they play to that level from here on out? And if they do, they'll probably win the World Series. Um, and, you know, obviously some pitching injuries might come into play. But, man, what can't happen is the offense cannot go silent, right? It hasn't gone silent all year, um, not for long stretches. And they have to be on point all the way through. So the Braves will face the winner of the Phillies and Marlins. Game one will be Saturday. Obviously, we'll all be watching that game. In the meantime, the Braves will be playing some inter-squad games uh, in Truist Park against the Gwinnett Stripers. This is very interesting that they are approaching the postseason a little differently. Uh, I heard just reports. It's not that they're nervous about resting guys, but that the players really are buying into staying fresh and um, you know playing. And I really like this, and they're inviting fans to uh, to watch. And so I th it's fan-friendly. I think this is a fun thing to do. And it also, I think, will keep the Braves loose and keep them playing baseball on the field. And, and I just think they're going to be better for that. So hopefully this new approach will work. I am a fan of it. And um, hopefully it will work also to get them into the NLCS and and move forward you know the braves have been at home for a long time and they're going to continue to stay at home through these inner squad games and uh these two first two games of the nlds so hopefully some home cooking is exactly what uh, the doctor ordered there and uh, it will benefit them greatly all right braves fans it's been a great regular season the postseason is upon us uh the uh the marlins and uh, Phillies will play tonight, and we'll start to get an answer uh, as to who the Braves are going to face in just a few few days. So, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, a big shout-out to um, all of my students who are listening, uh, and I really appreciate you guys supporting me. It means a lot, and uh, I'll see you guys uh, in person soon, and everyone else watching, I will definitely uh, talk to you later.